Well, my first car was one. It was an economy product just to kind of get people here, there, and everywhere. It was built for the people to go from point A to point B, and that's about it. Nothing outside of that, but it got people in the entry-level world into the automobile. Something that everybody wants. Everybody wants to be mobile, and everybody wants to get out of their house to go where they want, when they want. When you're a child, getting on a bike and being allowed to go outside of your yard, just even to down the street, you feel like the world is opening up to you and you can go anywhere and do anything you want but unfortunately today that's being taken away from an entire class of people the entry level into the automotive industry is disappearing and it's not just disappearing from a few companies it's disappearing from nearly every major automobile company this has become a major issue around the world as entry-level consumers are being squeezed out of the market just because the market wants to make more money today Autolux is going to take a look at our entry-level issues in the automotive world. Welcome back to the Autolux Podcast. I'm your host, as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J., coming to you from our main host website at autolux.net. If you haven't been there, stop by, check it out, read some of the ratings, check out some of the reviews, and stop by at the Corporate Links website and find out more about the automobile companies that you want to know about. Which countries have them, which countries don't. Big or small, we have them all on the Corporate Links website page on the autolux.net website. The Autolux Podcast is brought to you by Ecom Entertainment Group, and distributed by podbeam.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email over at email at autolux.net. So like I said in the beginning, entry-level issues. The entry-level world has actually become one of the smallest portions of the automobile world. Yeah. When I started college, there was dozens of vehicles I can look at every single year when I got my car guide, buyer's guide for the Canadian marketplace. At any given time, there was at least a dozen vehicles under $10,000 that I could buy brand new from the factory floor. I'm in college and I'm making eight bucks an hour. I'm very limited funds, but I still want to go out and have fun. I want to go out and party with my friends. I want to go on road trips because I am that generation of people who are more likely to go out and have fun and do these mini vacations but without the ability to purchase a vehicle i now only have the ability to get either an uber or go where public transit goes i can't go outside of my main bubble so living in a major city these days there is tons of mass transit around you have lrt services so light rail services you have subway services in some locations you're starting to get hyperloops you have helicopters volocopters are being pushed in you now have bus trains you have buses there are multiple multitude of public transit systems. But the unfortunate thing is all of these public transit systems are all still in their infancy. In the past 30 years, we've made massive investments into public infrastructure for the entry level people. In my home city, 20 years ago, there was only one bus route that turned a profit for this city. As of right now, there are three routes that have at specific times of the day, double buses because there are so many people that have to take public transit. And in my home city, which is essentially Essentially, a car-centric city, having to take public transit is more of a nuisance than anything else. I couldn't imagine living in my home city and having to take 
the bus. When I had to take the bus from where I once lived when I was going to college at my dad's house, I had to walk 40 minutes to the closest bus stop. From there, if I needed to get downtown, it would take me 35 to 40 minutes on a bus ride. Hell, I had a friend who lived way out in Capriol, way north of the city of Sudbury, and for him, it would take him over an hour to get downtown Sudbury. Now, if he worked in the south end, his bus could take an hour and a half to two hours to get there. Even right now, if I had to take a bus from my house to my daytime job, I would have to leave my house at 20 to 7 in the morning to ensure that I caught the very first bus at 7 o'clock, even though I don't start it until 8, and that bus would draw me off in front of my workplace at 7.35. I'd be to work about the same amount of time as when I drive in right now, but my bus would take nearly 40 minutes to get there, something I can drive in between 12 and 15 minutes. Sure, I live along a direct bus route to my place of work, but my wife had to take a bus to get to where she's going from where we live. She would have to go downtown, transfer, and come back. Her bus would be an hour and a half to get her to work, something that takes a 20-minute drive. So our infrastructure here for public transit isn't great. And in the past 30 years, they've made major strides in building a new bus station, adding more buses to it, increasing the routes, but essentially it's still the same bus service that they had. When I was in high school. Sure, a few more buses, but not much else. So being a person at the entry-level point of the automobile industry, so being somebody that's just entering the marketplace at minimum wage, which in the province of Ontario is like nearly 16 bucks now, to live in a place where it's decent rent, I have to live in the outskirts of the city because living in the city core or anywhere in the major center of the city, it's expensive to live. So to save on rent for my public transit, I have to move to the outskirts of the city. Well, if I save on rent, I might be able to get myself a vehicle and the only thing you're going to be able to get is a used vehicle and with interest rates as they are right now i can't afford to take a loan out to get a used vehicle and the purchase price to get a used vehicle is so substantial that most people don't even think about it i like to take small little day trips i have wanderlust and i love going out there and if you listen to our podcast about road tripping that is me making a standard day trip to go road tripping is part of me but i've had that ability to do that by going to college, living at home. My dad had a second vehicle, so I had something I could use. You know, I kind of lived in that little bit of lap of luxury with the ability to do those things, and I still do. But when my wife and I first had our son, we didn't have much money, and yet we still managed to do that. We were a little bit higher up than the entry level, but we were still pretty damn close to it. But that ability to go out and do these small little road trips or take a vacation where we can travel, you know, almost 2,000 kilometers just in our own province to see an amazing amount of things. Well, we were those people because the richer you get the more money you spend on toys and the more likely you are to drive to an airport and fly somewhere to go on vacation so you're not spending your money on vacation in and around your home country or even your home city or province or state but the entry-level people are i have friends within the entry-level world and the one could never afford a vehicle on his own being in the entry-level service and making you know limited amount of money they couldn't afford to get into it now he was gifted a car and now he has the ability to be mobile. He has the ability to go and do more things. Sure, it costs a lot to fix the car, but he's pretty handy and can do it himself. But that entry level, he couldn't get into on his own. With the massive increase in the cost of vehicle, hell, buying a $500 fixer upper is non-existent these days. 
I had that choice and was able to spend $800 to get a fixer upper car, but it still cost me another $800 to get on the road. So that $800 car turned into a $1,600 car just to drive on the road, something that only lasted me two years. So where am I going with all of this? The entry level world has been ripped out from the bottom of all major automobile corporations. Think about it. The Kia Rio, the Toyota Yaris are about it. The Honda Fit is not here, but the HRV is. But all wheel drive CUVs cost more than than a standard hatchback, which means they make more money for the companies that produce them. Ford completely got out of sedans, hatchbacks, wagons in North America, which means Ford has no entry level into their company. But why does a company like Toyota, the largest automobile manufacturer in the world, still have an entry level point for the automobile industry? It's because they know if you get those early people in, they'll stay for life, especially if they like your products. The Koreans haven't figured this out yet by building quality products, but they still build the economy based products to get people through the door. Kia is a prime example of that. And they're one of the few vehicles in the North American marketplace that still have economy-based entry-level products. You could still have a Kia Rio for about $20,000. Where a standard entry-level vehicle and the standard price for vehicles is about $40,000. Most people making about 15, 16 bucks an hour can't afford something like that unless they're living at home. If they're living on their own, they can never afford a vehicle on their own. They have to give in to public transportation. Well, with a massive increase in rents and housing costs over the past 20 years, stripping us from all that excess money that we had to, to spend on all kinds of other things, we now don't have the ability to enter the automotive world, which means now we're being subjectified to taking public transit. Public transit only takes us from a specific point to a specific point. Wait, we have Uber. Well, Uber isn't existent every single place. My home city, we have a company called U-Ride. Because in Northern Ontario, Lyft and Uber thought we were too small to expand upon, but we developed our own. Taxis cost too much. Your ride costs too much. I can't go where I want. There is no entry level into the automotive world, and there is no proper infrastructure. So in the past 20 years, we've built massive amounts of houses, massive amounts of condos, but no entry level points for people on housing, which is increased rents everywhere. With zero surplus, at the bottom end, rents have been driven up. Costs have been driven up. And now this complete market isn't mobile, which means they're not exploring their world. They're not getting in their car and going for a day trip somewhere. They're not going to their friend's camp. They're not spending money on being mobile. And entry level requires that. Infrastructure can help. Same with public transit. So pods, EVTOLs, hyperloops, transit, they can all help. But unfortunately, that help is required today, not 30 years from now, when these things get built. As of right now, we need more trains, more buses, more ports, more pods, more stations. The entire infrastructure required for the entry-level world is missing. And over the past 20 years, we've been trying to build this infrastructure while still accommodating the super highways and highways that we require for the middle in class. Now, in my home province, they've done fuck all in either one of these areas. We don't have a massive influx of brand new highways, and we didn't get a massive influx in new public transit. We are now playing catch-up on both of them right now, where our main highways are being clogged with too many vehicles from the middle class, our public transit infrastructure is being clogged by too many, like a massive influx of entry-level consumers who can't even purchase a vehicle who are now subjectified to having to use public transit to get in and around. So without a massive expanse into the infrastructure required for public transit, the entry level is being squeezed out. It may be nice to say that there are less cars on the road, but really there's not. Because as those entry-level people move up in the world and they finish 
finish their studies or they get a promotion, they start moving up into these middle class areas. And when they can afford vehicles, they start buying them. And they don't buy one, they buy two because they missed out on so much. The classic car industry in the past 20 years has expanded, has nearly quadrupled in value. The one car driveway, which we all thought we were going down to in the past 10 years, has completely reverted back to us going towards the two car driveway again. And hell, even the three car driveway. We're in my home country of Canada, the average Canadian citizen has 1.3 children. So we can't create enough population to replenish the population we have existing, except for with immigration, which is going through the roof. Our driveways are still being filled with 2.3 vehicles. We have more vehicles than we have children because we've hit that point where our, our families before were able to get into the automotive market earlier, where they hit a lot of those issues earlier and they weren't able to afford having two or three vehicles all at the same time, where some of them only had one vehicle spread between two family members. But that's because they were still living in the entry-level point of the automobile world. And now with car companies pulling out of that marketplace, they're making it harder. But why would they do that? Oh, simple question. What's better, to sell a full-size pickup truck where your profit margins are nearly 30% or sell a subcompact economy car where your profit margins are 6%? Which one do you want to sell? Well, everybody wants to make more money. And when you sell the smaller one where you only make 6%, you need to sell even more of them to earn more money. Well, it seems great, but you have to produce so much, which means you have to sell so much, which means you need to keep the price down to get people through the doors. And the economy is a scale for the entry-level market marketplace just completely disappeared in the past 20 years in North American and even European marketplaces. They disappeared with the arrival of the all-wheel drive systems and safety. Same reason why the sports car industry has died out, because of safety. Having to put my kids in a child seat until they're nearly 10 years old, I'm less likely to buy myself a Dodge Challenger until I'm nearly 50. Sure, those vehicles command higher rates, and now they could sell them to me at a, at a later date. If I gotta put my kids in seats for that long, I might as well not get a car until later on. And when I finally get into a vehicle, I don't really care what I'm getting into. I didn't buy a Toyota when I was 16 years old, so what do I care when I'm 30 years old buying my first vehicle? Having brand loyalty is something that's slowly disappearing. And now with the rise of electric vehicles, brand loyalty is being saturated even more. Less and less people are being drawn to specific brands. They're just being drawn to the new fads. And without an entry point, nobody cares anymore. With our investments in public infrastructure should have been done over 20 years ago to get them to the point that we require today. The infrastructure required for our public roadway systems should have heavily increased 20 years ago to the point that it's required today as well. But automobile companies pulling out of the economy and entry-level points of the automobile industry is a major kick in the nuts. Because when Ford decided not to sell any, any sedans, hatchbacks, or wagons in North America, same with Chevrolet or General Motors, cities around North America should have been scared. Because when those two pull out their entry entry-level points and their cheapest sales vehicles, public transit is going to be strained because all those people can't enter the automotive market. And without entry-level points, people are just going to wait longer to get vehicles. And if they have to go 10 years at an entry-level point without a vehicle, they'll learn to live that way. And eventually, they just won't get into vehicles. Because when you first learn how to live in a major city and learn how to take public transit, you understand you don't need a vehicle in a major city to get around. 
around. Everything is all at your fingertips on public transit. So you'll never be an automotive owner. You'll never have to go through the rigmarole of owning, servicing, and maintaining a vehicle, which means the automobile industry will start losing. China learned by only allowing one child in the city that they're decreasing their population. In the past two years, China has shrunk in population. Automobile companies like General Motors and Ford getting rid of their entry-level points to the automobile industry. They may not shrink now, but in 10 years, without any of those entry-level points, watch their market share erode from below them. There's a reason why Toyota Motor Corporation and Hyundai Motor Corporation still provide entry-level points into the automobile industry. is because they know that when they get you young and get you early on, they keep you for life. It's great to take public transit, and it's great to get more and more cars off the road. But when you rip out the entry-level point for so many people, you're going to cause strain to that public infrastructure that people depend on. Like I said, in my home city 20 years ago, hell, even 10 years ago, one route made money. Today, they get nearly eight routes that turn a profit and two routes that are strained with too much ridership. Too much ridership. My city has barely grown in the past 10 years. And we have too much ridership on our public transit, which hasn't changed in the past 10 years. But why? Because entry-level consumers can't purchase brand new vehicles. They can't make payments on brand new vehicles. And they can't even get into the automotive world through the used car chain due to the costs and low inventory levels of 10-year-old vehicles or older. Right now, we're at a turning point for the automotive world, especially in economies of North America and Europe, who are going to experience a massive windfall when the entry-level points finally get taken over by somebody who sees them. Why do you think Tesla and Fisker are both looking at cheap electric cars? It's hard to make a cheap entry-level electric car, but the two companies know that if they can crack that market, they could turn a profit bigger than the big three ever thought they could. Entry-level is a part of the automobile industry that brings people in and brings them for life. It creates your brand loyalty and keeps people with your company for decades to come. Without having that entry-level point, when the people get in, they will jump ship when the next fad arrives. Just look at the brand new GMC Hummer. It was great. They sold like hotcakes. And then everybody shifted to the Rivian. Now everybody's shifting from Rivian to the new Tesla. And as new fads come out, each one of those vehicles just gets dumped by the wayside for the next one because there's no brand loyalty anymore. And without brand loyalty, there's just going to be a lot of waste. The automotive world needs an entry-level point. And without it, companies without that entry-level point are going to see the downfalls in the next 10 years. When the electric vehicle industry finally cracks the code for building a cheap vehicle under $20,000, then the automobile world will be turned upside down and the entry-level point will come to existence once again. So with all the major expenditures that are going into public transit right now, governments around the world need to take notice at the entry-level point to the automobile industry because that signifies when that electric vehicle gets broken and people can buy it at an entry-level point, public transit will go back to the way it was 10 years ago with not enough ridership. Until then, keep expanding into it. Just remember, you're going to have to expand roadway infrastructure as well. The entry-level point of the automobile industry is a pivotal point that everybody needs to take notice of. And unfortunately, we do have companies out there in existence right now who don't understand that entry 
mid-level automobiles, even though they're they're not profitable whatsoever, need to have them to get people through the doors to create brand loyalty and to help maintain the balance between our standard infrastructure and our public transit infrastructure systems. Governments can't keep up with either one of them right now. And putting a strain on one will eventually just create a strain on the other. So until car companies start realizing that they need an entry-level point into the automobile industry, you could just keep making all the money off your top-tier products. But eventually, that's just going to come back and bite you in the ass big time. So if you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment about it on any of the major social feeds, streaming sites, or anything else you find the podcast on online. And after that, hit the like button at the bottom because you can find out more from the Autolux podcast and the Autolux.net website as we release new podcasts every week. We have over 180 podcasts spanning five seasons of the Autolux podcast. And after that, stop by the website, the Autolux.net website, and read some of our reviews, check out some of our ratings, and look for some of the car companies that we talked about on the Corporate Links website page. Big or small, we have them all on the Autolux.net Corporate Links website pages. And after that, send us an email, send us a comment, join our email list at the Autolux.net website and share this podcast with everyone else. Ask them what their first vehicle was. And you'll be pleasantly surprised at how many people had economy entry-level vehicles at one point in time, and now they don't. The Autolux Podcast is brought to you by Ecom Entertainment Group and distributed by Podbeam.com. If you yourself would like to get in touch with either the host of the Autolux Podcast, Mr. Everett J himself, the Autolux Podcast, or Autolux.net, send him an email over at email at Autolux.net. So for myself, Everett J, the Autolux Podcast, and the Autolux.net website, strap yourself in for this one very bumpy ride the entry-level automotive world is going to take us on.